when Giannis just goes like, Chris, we did it. We fucking did it, huh? And Chris just like kind of looks shook, like <laughs> you just swore on national TV, Giannis. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of the Burners and Basketball podcast. We finally have crowned an NBA champion, and we are very excited to have a fan in the building to discuss that. But before we introduce him, do not forget to follow us on Twitter, Burners and B-Ball. Email us, burnersandbasketball at gmail.com. Subscribe to our podcast, hashtag Burner Take, with any NBA hot takes that you might have. Ty Windish is joining us today. He is the host of the Bucks Eurostep podcast. Ty, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, how are you feeling? Um, what is this, four, four days later, five days a week? It both feels like it just happened like five seconds ago and that it's been forever. I mean, yeah. we already have three of the 15 players, 17, I guess, players on the team have played an Olympic game since then somehow, but uh, it feels tremendous. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't expect the Bucks to do this at the start of the postseason, two games into the Nets series, four games into the Hawks series, two games into the Suns series. So it was such an up and down run, but it was, I think it made it even better that, you know, it wasn't like, they certainly wasn't coasting through the playoffs. It was, it was a crazy run. Uh, somehow the Nets game, the last Nets game was like a month before the last finals game. Like playoff, deep playoff runs. The Bucks had only obviously gone to the conference finals. New to me, it was wild to keep up with, but absolutely euphoric that they actually finally did it. Yeah. You say that a lot of people didn't believe in y'all, but did you, like, did you expect no, that at no. all? <laughs> I said, after game two against Brooklyn, I said sweep. And then we were like openly pining for Rick Carlisle. And again, this was like, they won the title about a month later, but did not think there was a chance. At least two different times. I was like, oh, this run is over. And one of them, I thought all of, I thought this whole iteration of the team was over when Giannis's knee bent backwards against oh Atlanta. Oh my God, Seriously? And the Hawks win that game. And the Hawks fans are chanting Hawks in six, of course, you know, making fun of Bucks in six. It seemed like they were going to have a chance. And I remember then, like, first off, everything sucks. Like, this, obviously, this year is over. Next year might be over. Bucks fans were like, can we tank for a year like the Spurs did to get Tim Duncan? Should we sell off everyone? They come back. They win two straight. Everyone looks great. And then Giannis is ready for game one of the finals. So, no, it's I, I shouldn't just call out everyone outside of Milwaukee. Everyone inside, except for the team and the coaches. Uh, Bud looked pretty haggard, except for the team. Uh, everybody thought that it was over multiple times, but that was the magic of this Bucks team is they would get their backs against the wall often, but they always came through when they were there. So like I said, makes it even better that multiple times we were like, well, it was a good run. Hopefully next year they get a little bit of a better luck or something. Yeah. yeah it seemed like in prior playoff appearances, like when adversity hit, the Bucks were not exactly ready for it. Nope. What do you think was the biggest difference between the teams of the past few years versus this one that, I mean, coming back from two different O2 deficits, you know, obviously not an easy thing to do. No, um, I think funny stat about the Bucks. I don't think I've uncorked this everywhere. They never led a game one after 48 minutes in this playoffs. They won wow. game one against the Heat, but it had to go to OT and then 
Chris hits the wild buzzer buzzer beater. So yeah, they start every series either down 0-1 or in the first round, they were they weren't winning after 48 minutes. So uh I think the past years played a lot into it, honestly. Like I think the guys, I mean, Chris and Giannis have been there for eight years, like Lopez and Condon for three years. Like I think going through some of those L's really helped their yeah. resolve. But yeah. I think also like adding Drew and PJ, who had also been through their share of playoff heartbreaks. And as PJ Tucker always says, they're dogs. Like they, I think they had like this really tough, gritty mentality. I mean, they won with like offensive rebounds and defense. Like they were a mm. let it fly team. Like all these threes, the threes never fell. So they always lost in the playoffs. They just, they found ways to win. They were grittier. So I think it's yeah. both of those things. Oh, I mean, myself, like hearing you say like grittier <laughs> and obviously Bobby Portis. Oh yeah. Quoted. I don't know if he like was doing it intentionally, but he like said the same quote. Um, Zach Randolph said, in a playoff game a while ago, there are so many parallels between yeah. the grit and grind Grizzlies and this Bucks team, which really like, honestly, I was pretty objective, like the entire playoffs until the finals. So it takes a lot for me to actively root for a team, especially when I had no reason to root against the Suns because I liked them as well. But oh my gosh, like what is it like? Are you, are you in Milwaukee right now? Uh, live in Oshkosh. I did get down for the parade. Thankfully. Okay. You did. So, so like, yeah. what do you feel like is different? Like to see the small market celebrations versus, um, you know, teams like the Lakers who kind of, it's expected for them to be right. in these positions. Yeah. I think it was like, you know, if they go back two years from now and, and somehow do it all again. Right. I don't know if it's the same energy as this one. Like, I think people could very much feel it's been 50 years since they won, 47 years since they even got to the finals. And I think what it really shows you is, I think all of these markets, as much as I would love to say it's just Milwaukee, I think it shows that any of these markets, these small markets, like if you give them the right product out there, people are going to show up and go crazy. I mean, the Bucks were like fifth in sports when I was, I mean, a couple of years ago to, you know, Packers, Brewers, Wisconsin Badgers in like three different sports, right. Admirals. They weren't behind the Admirals, but <laughs> it's closer than you might think. And suddenly, you know, it, the diehards hung in there, but everyone else kind of loses interest. But a player like Giannis and a team like this, I mean, Bobby Portis might be the second biggest fan favorite on the team. I, Milwaukee loves Bobby Portis. Yeah. It's, it's great. Um, but I think it shows you just that like, you know, fans are ready. If the product is there, they're going to show up and support. And I do think Milwaukee, like because of the drought, because of all the heartbreak in between and even in this run, I do think it just showed like extra relief, extra joy, like the vibes in the city for the parade and the celebration were just yeah. immaculate. It was like yeah. so many people, everyone, it, the open carry laws were no longer enforced for that day. <laughs> and <laughs> it was just like, it was just great. I mean, you could feel like just like uh it was like a breath of fresh air that finally that Milwaukee had won a championship for the first time in 50 years. Like yeah, everybody showed up. Yeah. Okay. I have to Ty, I have to roast Adam for a second. Um, oh, come on. Oh boy. Oh <laughs> like boy. you thought we were just gonna, um, cause we had a guest. I wasn't going to do it. No, that's not, that's not how this works. <laughs> um, Adam had his heart broken twice in these playoffs. First it was the Sixers. Which, you know, this conversation a few months ago, we would have thought we were having a different conversation and maybe he was in your position, but he didn't let that make him too upset because he decided to ride on Chris Paul's coattails to the finals and claim 
his allegiance. And now here we are. Um, Adam, how are you as somebody on the... <laughs> you just had to do this, didn't you? <laughs> like, I, of course. Like, that, that... I could just do a whole podcast, like, talking about... Um, your bad luck during these playoffs. Meanwhile, my team was like eliminated in the first round, but yeah, which we should, okay. you know, remember. We just like don't round. even have to because we were an eight seed. So yeah, I, like, of course it was a bummer to some extent. I was rooting for Chris Paul to win the title. Uh, that's, it's always been for me. You know, if the Sixers don't win the title, I want it to be Chris Paul. He's always been my favorite player. Uh, but yeah, I mean, now like even looking back, it's hard not to like still appreciate this Bucks team because of how ridiculously good Giannis was Chris Middleton, like drew, obviously I have a special affinity for, uh, you know, pulling off the big plays that he did. Uh, so like genuinely speaking, I'm not even mad about it just because like it was very clear that a deserving team won the title. I think either of those teams could have won that series and we all would have agreed. Like there are no asterisk here. Like this is a real championship. Um, so, you know, of course I wanted Chris Paul to win, but, uh, you know, it doesn't take away from me appreciating this Bucks team because really, I mean, what they did in the playoffs this year was was incredible. I had multiple people reach out to me like, I feel like if it was anyone else, I'd root Bucks for sure. But I like the Suns team too. I don't know which way to go. Yeah. I was like, if it was like Bucks Lakers, I think everybody non-Lakerland would have been like, okay, let's go Bucks. I do think it was two pretty likable teams. I will say now that all is said and done and the Bucks won, I am happy CP showed out in game six because I think the narratives were getting out of control with his play. Yeah. And this is always how it goes. Like it's all slander is always somebody failed. It's never somebody else succeeded. Like give Drew Holiday some credit for working his ass off and forcing these turnovers and Giannis too, I think late in the games. But it's all CP failed, CP all this. Like CP is 36 years old. Six feet tall on a good day, getting <laughs> hounded by Drew Holiday full court every single game, every single minute. Like the Bucks were very intentional in trying to make that guy's life hell. And he still pulled out a classic game six that will be forgotten because they didn't win. But he was really good in that game. Yes, I appreciate you giving him credit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you said, like the Suns in no way lost the series. It was absolutely just yeah. the Bucks. I mean, like they did. All right, Molly. They literally did, but it wasn't on them. Like yeah. Giannis, Giannis was. They didn't. They didn't like you know. Even though they went up two zero and lo- lost four two, like to me, it's not like they. No, it you're was right. Some you're right. It's like this team won, not like yeah. this team lost. They're I'm a great team. That. Yeah, they're a great team. They played another great team. Who knows if a few bounces go different ways in some of those close games? But uh, no. yeah, I mean, to me, it's just like <laughs> so clearly, uh, you know, like the Suns didn't lose this as much as the Bucks won it, and I know that's like kind of a dumb cliche because obviously both of those things happen, but still. And like the Suns were so likable that people were literally trying to find like reasons to shit on them, including being like Monty Williams did went in their locker room for attention. I'm like, you guys like Like, (laughs) let's let's not get carried away. It's insane. If you want to talk about, you know, what's funny is I thought the conversation about Monty Williams was going to be, I can't believe he played Kaminsky. But Kaminsky was awesome. Like, I was so upset. Like, it looked like Kaminsky wanted to break Wisconsin sports fans' hearts again after, of course, the national championship loss. Um, But he was really good in that game. But no, Monty's a class act. If the Suns didn't talk, it's the talking to the officials is the one thing that kind of graded over the course of the series. And that's why game six, P.J. Tuck, or not P.J., uh, Bobby Portis, 
when he holds back CP from going to talk to the officials. That was like an all time Bucks moment. Like that was, I needed that comic relief because the game was so tense at that point. Uh, and I think, honestly, I think he got the high stepping tech later as like a, like a, we probably should have given you one for doing that. So here's a tech. Box <laughs> for us. Yeah. And obviously yeah. with the refs, it's, there's the whole narrative like, Oh, Chris Paul, oh, yeah. Scott Foster, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like that's just like funny at this point. I don't know. I didn't feel like during that game, a lot was like going down, but okay. We have to like talk about Giannis because I mean, have we seen like a better example in recent history of a guy like completely coming in and sticking with the franchise and becoming an absolute like monster right before everyone's eyes, two-time MVP. What like every, obviously Giannis has captured the hearts of like everyone, um, especially with all the coverage he's getting, but it's you've you're probably watching this like we've known that Giannis is the freaking best just like talk about how much he means like to you and the rest of the city well it I think it means so much because he did grow and and develop and and do all this in Milwaukee certainly I think probably the closest analog in the last decade has got to be Steph and I don't know how many others there are outside of that and even I think Steph came into the league better than Giannis. I mean, you look at Giannis's rookie year. He somehow made all rookie. I think second team wasn't a great rookie year. It was like eight points. It was really raw, figuring things out. And I think watching him grow from, you know, the skinny kid, which no one would call him that now, but at the time, the skinny kid from Greece who was like still working on his English and didn't exactly know like what position is he even going to be. Is he a point forward? Is he a, he's a small forward at first, power forward. And Watching him grow over time, over eight years, from that to two-time MVP, DPOI, now, of course, champion and finals MVP, it just, like, it's one of the more inspiring stories ever. I mean, not just for Bucks fans, for anyone watching. I mean, this guy is selling trinkets on the streets of Greece to get by and, and have food, and now he's, you know, on top of the world, multimillionaire, literally top of the field he's in right now, which is an insanely competitive field NBA basketball like I think it's one of the coolest stories ever and of course that being said there's a special affinity with everyone in Wisconsin and Bucks fans like the fact that he did it here he always said he wasn't going to leave until he did it and he actually came through I mean so many guys everyone says that it's the right thing to say but it's hard to follow through and I just think the Bucks got super lucky I don't know how many guys stick through 2019 and 2020 playoffs probably not that many especially with, you know, going into one year left and he signs the extension before this year. I don't think they win it all if he doesn't sign the extension. I feel like the team falls apart. So he's a special just person and player, of course. But I'll say we knew he was awesome. I don't think many people knew he was as good as he was going to be in the finals, like especially game six, but even the other two 40-point games, but game six more than any. It's not just the point total. He, in years past, couldn't take over games like mm -hmm. that. Like, the scoring wasn't there. The fadeaway wasn't there. He wasn't playing in the post as much. The ways he changed his game this run to be closer to a center most of the time, it allowed him to take over the pace of a game in ways he couldn't do. And that that's, that's why they're champions now. Like, that's why. Is he figured that stuff out. The playoff failures, you know, Mark Gasol and his nightmares – got him to this mm -hmm. point of being able to do this. And now it's like, 
you know, the the repeat question is asked and the Bucks, I think, are third in title odds right now and whatever else. There's a lot to happen before next year. But when you have that guy on your team, it's hard to not feel good every single year because we've seen he can just take over finals games now. And that was a question mark. Even in Milwaukee, he just answered it. Yeah. Okay. So is Coach Bud staying? Lifetime contract. So, right. And I think everyone would say that. Um, I mean, I noticed him significantly improve with, you know, his adjustments throughout the playoffs. So I don't think that the criticism was without merit, but Mm-mm. were you ever on that side of like, man, F this guy, like get him out of oh, here? Oh, yeah. After yeah. the bubble, I was like, I think I said he shouldn't coach game four in the bubble or game three. One of those, I was like, Darvin Ham should be head coach, fly him out of here. Um, but like you said, he just, he got better. And I think it started to click for me in the Brooklyn series. First off, to start the Brooklyn series, not a lot of people remember this because, I mean, the matchups were only there for 40 seconds because unfortunately uh, Harden gets hurt. But Giannis was on Kyrie to start that series. Like we were seeing just funky stuff we had not seen mm-hmm. before. And it changed everything for the Bucks. Obviously the switching, they don't win if not for the switching. And I think some of it, there was some push and pull with uh, Drew and PJ in particular. Just like, you know, Chris had some push and pull. They didn't, Bud didn't want him shooting mid-rangers his first year. And that was a consternation with Chris. And he eventually, you know, played well enough to kind of win that back. I think the switching kind of went the same way and everything else. It's just like players who are very good at different things have just had an impact. But at the end of the day, it's credit to Bud for not being so rigid. And I mean, this is the guy who always got crap for not playing Giannis enough. Well-deserved. I think Giannis also improved his conditioning and being able to play. Like he would always be gassed quickly. He figured that one out too. But you know, six guys played in game seven against Brooklyn and they had more healthy guys, but for the Bucks, it was the starters and Pat and that's it. Like no Forbes, no Teague, no Portis at that point either. And that's just not something you saw. Yeah, it was Pat played like 35 minutes. They only suited up six guys in that game, which is like very anti Budenholzer. Um, And it was basically a seven man rotation for most of the Suns series with some Teague thrown in that everyone, he's not perfect. He's not perfect, but he's not perfect. But He's better. He's good enough now. And that's really all you need. Yeah, absolutely. I think Teague and Kaminsky were both like (laughs) the Twitter was just like, what is going on? Okay. Did you have like a favorite moment? Because there were it's rare that you have like two moments that are so iconic with that block and then the alley-oop like back to back games. Right. Those were back to back Mm -hmm. games. Which okay, which one was the best? Like, explain the moment it felt. I'm trying to live vicariously through <laughs> you right now. I think, and I'll be interested to hear what you two think, which which one you liked better. Personally, for me, it's the, the value 2.0 by far. Sorry, Suns fans. But, like, the fact that, A, it was an incredible defensive play plus an incredible offensive game. B, the fact that it sealed a game, which the block was essential, but it didn't actually seal up the game. There was still... Chris had to go down and hit a great shot after that. And see, I think I like it better because I still to this day, I'm not, I don't think it was the right play. Like I think with that amount of time left, it's probably best for Drew to just dribble out the clock, maybe pass to Chris because Drew's free throw shooting had been hit or miss. But, and I think he was going to, you saw him look at the clock and then Giannis is just like, no, like put this thing up there. And I love that on the other angles, you can see Chris also pointing up. I don't think anyone could hear him, but everyone on the team just felt like, no, this is a Giannis oop. Like, let's end this thing right here. I think I love the fact that it was like, 
like just inarguably ballsy, right? Like it, yes. it was such a risk yes. in that situation. If it goes wrong, they could lose potentially the series. Yes. The fact that it worked was just like, like what a rush it was. Like I, I stood up and yelled on that one for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that play was incredible. Obviously, as the Chris Paul person, I prefer the block uh, <laughs> yeah, to the dunk. Um, to, just like the like when you watch it frame by frame and you like freeze it at where Giannis was when the pass goes up, the fact that he covered all that ground, it's like it, it almost reminds me of like a, a center fielder in baseball who like can cover an unbelievable amount of ground. The like the room that he covered, and then to go up and make that block clean is like unfathomable to me. Like to me, that is, you know, unless I'm forgetting something other than LeBron's block on Iguodala, like to me, that is like the coolest defensive play I've seen in the finals. And also like, A, the fact it's a bad knee. He's still on a bad knee. Yep. Like he hyperextended his knee like 10 days earlier or whatever it was. That's like absurd. I feel like that's like not talked about enough. It's not. It's, it's that he wasn't his, healthy for this whole series. His like, leg was, insane. his leg had mm-hmm. bent the wrong way. I don't know how you guys. I'm just I'm it's just rewatching insane. the alley oop right now. Oh my god! Okay, want to hear something like really insane? So literally during the block and during the alley oop, I was looking away from the TV <laughs> for like a second because like it, especially for the alley oop because like it's literally like seconds left in the game. I think like the waiter like walked by and was like, "Hey," and I literally missed it. So I didn't get to experience either of those like as they happened, and it. It's really heartbreaking, but well, luckily okay. there's like a thousand angles and I know, Kanye I music know. over yeah, it. There's nothing worse than when you're like looking away and then everyone yeah. stands up and is like, "What?" and you're like, "No." I was unhealthily locked in, so luckily I I saw them both from my couch. The other thing about the block that I love, you can't like I'll never denigrate either one. Like anyone can have a favorite one. I'm fine with it. They're both incredible. I love that Giannis said when he went up, he just assumed he was going to get dunked on, but didn't. Like, I think that is like the most yeah. Giannis thing is like, right. he's not afraid of that. Like the free throws, getting dunked on. He doesn't care. Like he's still missing threes by a ton, airballing. Like it doesn't matter to him. And I think if it did, like they're not champions. Like that aspect of him is so huge in the team and him himself being where he is. Yeah, I think there's a, it's like that kind of mentality is something that I'll just say there's a player that some say is similar <laughs> to Giannis who could take on Giannis's mentality and probably yeah. improve quite a bit. Yeah. Um, Am I being dumb? Who? Ben Simmons. Simmons okay, yeah. I thought so. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to bring it up myself. I'm glad yeah. it's, you, it's like, true. Like you, you said, said, similar to Giannis, and I was like, you're acting like if he had a better mentality, he would just be. But I, I know what you're of saying. course not. But yeah, I mean, like, like you said, like Giannis is totally willing to like appear vulnerable, like whether that's airballing a free throw and like still going to the line, going to the rim as hard as you can, you know, still shooting threes every once in a while, whatever the case may be, and like, like you said you know, getting dunked on. And he's someone who's been dunked on quite a few times, I feel oh, like, yeah. at this point. There's, really, there's some great um, posters on him. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's something that Joel Embiid has that I appreciate uh, and always have. Like, he is ready to go and try to block you at the rim. Uh, and it's the mentality that Ben Simmons doesn't have that I would like for him to have. Um, but, yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about Giannis. Like, I've never been, like, a Giannis guy necessarily. Like, I've always enjoyed him and watched, like, you know, love watching him play for obvious reasons. But that's like almost the most endearing part to me is that he is like so willing to appear vulnerable in certain situations for like a very marginal gain in terms of like, you know, his chances of winning the game. 
Yeah, I think that's like an awesome point. And since you both mentioned guys on your team, I'll mention one on mine. But like, that's something I love about John Morant is, I mean, this man had like one of the worst three three point percentages like ever. And meanwhile, he's like, he's not stopped. He didn't stop attempting them and it improved so much. And you literally see like his shot, his confidence never wavered. And like the only way you can become the player that can have those moments and do those things is by embarrassing yourself like time after time. And yep. I mean, you have the famous alley-oop and block, and then you have the famous Ben Simmons. Um, Pass. <laughs> Anti-dunk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so definitely interesting parallels right there. God, I, I, watched that, I watched that Ben play on YouTube like five times in a row this morning, trying to fi- still trying to figure yeah. out what he was thinking. It, I, like, and I, be I, like, I, so I'm like, you know, like Ben Simmons top career plays video popped up and like I clicked on it and then it gives you like the related video and it was like <laughs> Ben Simmons passes up wide open dunk and I clicked on it and it's just like, oh my God. I didn't watch the game where he did it. And I was like, I'm sure it's bad, but it's probably being exaggerated because the you no know, narratives and everything else. And like a couple of weeks ago, I saw it again on Twitter. And it's just like, it looks like he's literally just going to rise up and dunk and he just doesn't. Like it is one of the it more inexplicable. No yeah. one is in front of him. Like, yeah. No, <laughs> Trey Young is like behind the rim on the other side and not exactly a rim protector. Right. Of all wow. of all defenders, okay. literally in the entire NBA. The one you would pick, like the one. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I was at the game and basically oh. I think I tweeted when it happened, something along the lines of like, was that pass as egregious as it looked? Hey, <laughs> and hey. everyone basically was like, yeah, it was yep. actually that bad. Okay. That brings me to a fun question. What is like the worst in the moment? What's like the meanest thing you've ever tweeted about a player? On your team. Oh, oh boy. I have a story. I have a okay. story actually because the player right. saw it and he wasn't happy about oh, it. No. Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> so uh, Dante DiVincenzo had an up and down year. Unfortunately, gets hurt. Big, big loss for the Bucks. Gets hurt against the Heat uh, and doesn't play in the rest of the series. But uh, he had a really good start to the year. Like looked like an elite role player. Was hitting all of his threes and then dipped a little bit. Kind of out of like they keep trying to make him like a combo guard. I just don't think he is. Like, they try to make him a backup point guard. He doesn't really have it. He's a little out of control when he tries to do that stuff. So, one game where he was a little sloppy with the handle, turning the ball over, may have tweeted, he's playing like Kevin Hart at the celebrity game out there. Oh, boy. Didn't tag him or anything. Nobody nobody snitch tagged anything else. Like, a month later, he has a really good game. And he just quote tweets it with, like, a laughing emoji and a clown emoji. And I was like, would love to talk about this on my podcast, but you might have a much better game tonight. I'll definitely give you credit. And he just quote tweeted my pod invite with a thumbs down. So still open to have you on a pod, Dante, if you're listening to this. But (laughs) I stand by the original tweet. It was a bad game. It was not a good game. He was out of control that game. So it is what it is. Yeah. I, meanwhile, I like if you... I was meaner than that, but I didn't get called out, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I I am... I, like, can't recall any of those incidents, but, like, Sixers Twitter is, like, such a hellhole for, like... Yeah. say If you want to say anything remotely negative about anyone, to the extent that there was one time where someone jokingly put Ben Simmons for Giannis in the trade machine and tweeted it, and people were like, oh, I wouldn't trade Ben for Giannis. Giannis can't shoot. He can't play in the playoffs. <laughs> Giannis can't shoot. Like, the I was irony. like, oh, so what do you what do you think about Ben Simmons? And when the well, I think the night of Gabe Six, I went and found the tweet and I oh. quote tweeted it and, and was like, you gotta look at the replies here. Like people were like, you would be trading Ben for a one-year rental. 
uh, all this all this stuff about like not trading for Giannis that like I remember tweeting like the new level of Sixers Twitter being the worst is that you can't even trade Ben Simmons for the reigning two-time MVP. Yeah, literally. It's funny because Sixers Twitter's so negative, but like they're mad when other people are negative. Yeah. It's, <laughs> okay. it's their bad players. Right. So like my worst one was like during the bubble. I think this is, I deleted it because it's mean. Oh. It's not like nasty. It's just mean. Cause this, I'm not, I'm not even going to name him. Like y'all can assume who it is. Like during the bubble, one of our players was like, disgustingly bad like we had that season we had signed him in an extension and he was great he deserved it but after that contract he just was awful i feel like you're both i feel like adam knows who i'm talking about i think i know you're talking yeah about. so i tweeted if i were blank i would simply consider another profession and that was mean and it but like no one disagreed because like everyone was so down on him um, that like everyone like supported it, but I felt so bad and I deleted it. And I, this season I decided that I was going to unwaveringly support him. And now he's my favorite player. So now you could probably find Redemption out. Redemption story. That's yeah, good. Exactly. See, I-, I was like, you know what? Like you have to accept the good with the bad. Like I believe in him. Like he just had a rough, whatever. So it was Dylan Brooks. I can just say. <laughs> <laughs> he did turn it around. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. I love him. Um, yeah, just I, by the I, way, I, I pulled up the tweet with the Ben Simmons for Giannis. Some of the replies. Sixers shouldn't do this. Sixers hang <laughs> up the phone. Interesting for the Bucks. For Sixers, it's a bloody no. You should like retweet these right now. <laughs> and, and now all the new quote tweets are just saying, look at the replies. Yeah. Um, yeah, just That's to incredible. give you a taste of Sixers Twitter, what it's like for me trying to put fake trades out there. That's tough. If that's the bar, I just I would not. I don't think I'd even try anymore. Like, there's yeah. no good fake trade will ever work if that's where people. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I need. Okay, like it's been a few days, so you're obviously not like running through the hall screaming anymore. But take us. Like, you should be like I yeah. would be. Yeah. Okay, take us to the moment like that you knew you were gonna win, and like what did that like what moment was it? Because as it was a late. like. A basketball fan like right I'm not gonna think it until like the clock runs out but like what did that feel like just explain it like this whole podcast is me just like please explain it I want to know no it's I, be there I have one day. I, I have no issue reliving it over and over so yeah. it works fine for me um it was super late I think there was probably like less than a minute left a lot like I was getting you know I love all my NBA Twitter friends tweeting congrats it's great don't do it with like a minute and a half. I root for the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, do you know how often the <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks have had something in hand and then not? Way too often. So I was like, everybody, please stop. There's still time left. I want to say maybe there was like 40 some seconds and they were up more than one possession, maybe like four or five with ball. And I was like, and it took like the rest of the clock for it to really sink in, probably until PJ dribble. I love that it was PJ. Who scored zero points. It was a perfect PJ Tucker game, but <laughs> it was PJ who dribbled out the clock. And then I was just like, they actually did it. And then I was like kind of jumping and freaking out a little bit. I went and grabbed myself a drink because I knew it was going to be one of those podcasts. And then I settled in to watch all of the interviews. And that was still my favorite part. Like yeah. watching, watching the players for me get to realize and celebrate it was still my favorite part just because especially Giannis and Chris, but even the guys who had only been like PJ only for a few months has been a buck, but 
still like just knowing like how much these guys have gone through in their careers and even this year to finally get there and you could just see the relief on everyone like very few players in this rotation have not been like through some incredible highs and lows throughout their careers right like they got down to seven guys who really played obviously Giannis Chris like D-League throw in to now Drew Holiday's been on a few teams Brooke Lopez completely reinvented his career and had to take like minimum salaries. PJ Tucker obviously was overseas and back and came so close with Houston. Uh, Bobby Porter, I mean, Bobby Portis, he was, he was pretty down last year. I think he's spoken openly about that. So that was cool. But really, you know, the older vets who had been around and fought so hard and counted and had been through a lot as well. Uh, seeing them enjoy it and seeing Giannis shout out Chris was still my all-time favorite moment. Chris is kind of like someone's talking to Chris. And Malika Andrews, who was phenomenal in that postgame. Oh, my God. She was amazing. It was really good. The fact that she got a Bobby Portis question out there, certainly not prepared to ask. Like, they 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 engineered yeah. Portis speaking. He was not supposed to speak. It was awesome. But uh, when Giannis just goes like, Chris, we did it. We fucking did it, huh? And Chris just, like, kind of looks shook. Like, <laughs> you just swore on national TV, Giannis. Uh, and then they when they hugged with Bud, too. Like, there were just so many moments, like, watching all the players who had been through so much celebrate. Like, that was my favorite part. And that's when I was really like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And like, then you just have Devin Booker's damn. <laughs> yeah, Which, that was tough. I've seen that yeah. on TikTok a thousand times. I don't really? I don't get any joy out of it. Yeah, people, because people are like, you know, stitching it with like their like memeing like it. dumped or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like but, when you're left on red, it's like, damn. I was like, oh, poor, poor book. And my, I think the worst one though for me, sorry to cut you off, was... Monty Williams is presser when like you can hear the celebration. He's getting choked up. Like again, no, no joy at all. Like you definitely feel for the Suns who had such a great year and especially CP and Monty Williams. I think the other guys will be back, but um, yeah. it, it, that's the tough part of it for sure. Yeah. And I feel like there wasn't like a lot of times in a final series, there can be some, you know, storylines, some like beef between players in any series. And there didn't yeah. feel like there was a lot of tension, which like, even in the first round, Grizzlies Jazz, I felt like there was more tension than this one. So, I think yeah, Crowder, Crowder Portis was probably the closest we got. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. And I saw a video of, I think it was PJ Tucker and I want to say Connaughton, or no, I think it was Drew getting interviewed after the game and they got asked a question about Booker. And then both of them just like sat there speechless talking about Booker. It was really cool to see the mutual respect that was there the whole series. And then obviously the whole thing with Giannis bringing Monty Williams into the locker room. Uh, We're so, I feel like we're all still kind of programmed for Warriors Cavs Mm -hmm. and like it not being like these teams that have played against each other. Yeah. 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 And, And for it to not be these teams that have played against each other just like every year and to like have new matchups to look forward to. And it's not always the same you know, beefs that, uh, that we always look towards and really the last two years after, because the Lakers heat series as well, to an extent, um, it's, it's cool to have the parody back. Uh, and it's cool to have, you know, especially this year teams where there was like a very clear mutual respect. Yeah. We have to enjoy it before the nets are fully healthy and just like shit on all of us. I know the Lakers get Kawhi or something. Oh yeah. But like, that would be bad. I, I know it's yeah. like I'm not someone who's like I have super teams because like if I had the opportunity to have a super team, like give it to me right now. <laughs> um, but it is fun when 
it, like it's I hate that like an injured team had to make it this way, you know, competitive. But next season, it'll be interesting to see with like all these new guys like that are, you know, rising like Booker. I mean, not that new, but new to go into the playoffs, deep into the playoffs. Trey Young, um, yeah. Luca, like it's going to be crazy to see all of these guys and then, you know, other guys like Zion Ja. I think this season's going to be like so exciting and I'm so interested in what's going to go down like these next few weeks. Yeah, I feel like the Grizzlies, I got to, I mean, the Bucks are an inspiring story for all the small markets. But if I was Memphis, where you're at right now, I think the Suns are almost like the better case of like, how can you build a team in a small market if you don't get insanely lucky and get the Giannis? And maybe Ja gets there. Who knows? It's a really high bar. It's really yeah. hard to get the Giannis. You got to be lucky. Yeah. But I mean, the Suns, <laughs> like, it's, it sounds disrespectful. Like, it's easier to get a Booker level player, right? A Booker level yeah. player, some elite role players, bring in a sort of Chris Paul, the older compliment. Like, I think that's doable for Memphis, like this year. Like the roadmap is certainly there. So I yeah. think I think there's a lot of like, in the Hawks too. Like there's a lot of teams that are like poised to be quite good. So I'm hoping we don't get another super team at least so we can see more of these really fun playoff battles. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the, I think the Grizzlies, like even though they made the playoffs, I feel like they're still rebuilding. Um, I mean, we need to test out Jaron yeah. and see if he's got a player for you. So, right. So I feel like after this season, which I hate saying, cause like I'm impatient and I'm always like, no, do it. <laughs> but I feel like after this season is when things will get serious, but who knows, maybe we'll make a big move. I think we should make a big move, but Anyways, me trying to turn the conversation into the Grizzlies. That one was my fault. I brought it there this time. That's true. Adam's like, oh, don't get her started. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's he's been... got it easier. I mean, one superstar trade and they're right up there with the Nets, I think. So the Sixers is not even as interesting to talk about. Yeah, well, they better hope that they can uh, they can swing that. And it's not, you know, like with all due respect to CJ McCollum, uh, <laughs> they better hope that they oh can find God. someone a little better than CJ McCollum. Would you be happy with Lowry sign and trade or no? I would be. Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely some age concerns and a little bit of money concerns because it sounds like he's going to get quite a bit. But uh, when you have Joel Embiid in his prime the way that they do and his injury history, like if you have him when he's like a legitimate MVP caliber player, you got to go right away. Yeah. Like there okay. is no time to wait. Not to be dramatic, but like if I were you, like I would have like a frame poster of James Harden Photoshop in a Sixers jersey and just like cry about it like every single day. I'm sorry. Ben, what do you I think just, like, I do, Molly? This like, is, that's I, all I do when we're like, not doing I the think podcast. About it constantly. Like constantly. I was so worried about that. I mean, the Nets are obviously terrifying too, but like Harden and Bead pick and roll, like I had nightmares. God, don't even get me started. They would shoot like the team would shoot like 80 free throws a game. Everyone oh, yeah. would hate oh, playing against God. them. Oh, it yeah. would have. I thought. I thought about it for like multiple years before it even became a possibility and then it became a possibility and they blew it uh yeah that's a rough one i've rehashed that on several occasions on this podcast including I know, when but they like, got eliminated i still like i'm not like i haven't even processed it i'm processed like <laughs> i bad. think about it it's, it's just like think about isn't that weird to think about like if that trade had happened like what would they came very close to trading Ben Simmons for James Harden and are now probably going to trade him for like a CJ McCollum level player. Yeah, Just think about how deep, how steep of a drop that is. Man. I think it does show you though, like that not happening, the drew trade, which a lot of people derided at the time, the 2027 first round pick really <laughs> keeping me up at night now. Yeah. 14 year old. What about that extra pick swap? Oh God. It's, 
if the Pelicans somehow get good, it's it's going to be scary hours. But it shows you, like, if you have a, an Embiid or a Giannis, like, go for if it. Ja gets there in a couple of years, you always just go for You figure out the rest later. Like, if you have a player like that, mm-hmm. guys don't want to play there. Like, you can figure that stuff out. But you just you have to get them the help. You just have to. There's no – I yeah. think that's, that's the good thing about player mobility. Like, it sucks when guys leave even if you do the right things. But I like that you can put on that pressure of, like, I won't play here my whole career – if you're not going to be serious about getting me the help that I need, right. I think that's a positive for the league. I yeah, agree. Absolutely. Well, Ty, thank you so much for joining us. Um, congratulations on your championship. I'm sure you are still in the process of celebrating that as you should be. I would literally never shut up about it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thank you everyone for listening. We have the draft this Thursday, which is exciting. Okay, Ty, before we close off, what do you want to promote? Tell everyone where oh, to just, access you, all that. Just the pie, uh, the, on Twitter at Ty Windish, T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H. You can find most everything linked there. I spam all my links, of course, but the podcast known as the Eurostep Podcast <laughs> Network, uh, on all pod platforms, wherever you're listening to this fine podcast. If you haven't already given Burners and Basketball a uh, five-star review, do oh. that. And then do it for Eurostep Podcast Network, too. Spelled, spelled like Gyro Step, by the way. Yes, for yes. those of you like me who would not have pronounced it that way. It's spelled do G-Y-R-O. I, do I get a burner take as well? Oh, yes. Sure. Do a burner take. I don't know if this This will either be seen as really spicy by people or not spicy at all, given the circumstances. I would not trade Chris for Dame right now. And it's purely loyalty. It's purely because of the the championship. But if the Blazers said, hey, Damian Lillard for Chris Middleton, what do you think? And they never would, thankfully. But I'd be like, no way. Chris and Giannis oh, wow. forever. So that's the burner take. It's too hot. but Love it. Love love yeah. the hot take. I definitely understand where you're coming from, given Nobody that Chris Middleton. Nobody outside of Milwaukee would yeah. do it. But. Given that Chris Middleton <laughs> just sealed a championship for you like, yeah, less like, than exactly. a week ago. Yeah, like exactly. I'll let that slide because like you're happy. And I think Middleton is so wonderful objectively terrible basketball take but i don't care Chris yeah like come back you know come back to me in september with that take <laughs> right. maybe i'll argue with you for now like, for now i'm good with it i just yeah. i just don't even want to argue or say anything because i i know you're just high off your team right now as you should oh, yeah. be so there you go that was a that was a good burner take um <laughs> so that segues into do not forget to hashtag burner take on twitter with any of your nba hot takes email us burners and basketball Burners and basketball at gmail.com. I forgot what else you're supposed to do. Subscribe. Um, follow us on Twitter, Burners and B-Ball. Sorry, guys. It's been a long week. And happy Monday. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Ty. Go Bucks. Yes.